Hey, everybody. This week's episode of Stuck in the 80s is brought to you by... Wait for it. Wait for it. The 80s Cruise. Join your Stuck in the 80s hosts along with MTV VJs Mark Goodman and Alan Hunter in spring 2024 for a week-long trip on board the Royal Caribbean Mariner of the Seas. Performers will include 38 Special, Air Supply, Soft Cell, Debbie Gibson, Sebastian Bach, Stephen Piercy of Rat, Ray Parker Jr., Sheena Easton, Wang Chung, Midnight Star, Animotion, Real Life, Escape Club, When in Rome, and more. And now we have a promo code for you. That's right. Use the code STUCK. That's S-T-U-C-K. You spell it, you get it. When you book to get $200 of cabin credit. You must be a first-time 80s cruiser to use this code, and you have to use it when you book. Go to www.the80scruise.com for more information. Now on with the show. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the music. You can't have the Pretender's first album. That's mine. I bought it. You did not. The catchphrases. Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? And the wannabes. Sometimes I see you dance around the house in my underwear. Doesn't make me Madonna. Never will. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the A's. It's your host, Spearsy. And Brad in LA. And today we celebrate Easter eggs in the 80s. Obviously, that song is Train in Vain by The Clash from the album London Calling, but. Is it a hidden song? Is it just bonus music? Or is it, Brad, is it is it an Easter egg, Brad? I'm going to say it's an Easter egg, if for no other reason than it lets us start this conversation about this week's topic. So it's fun. We're recording this literally Easter weekend. The greatest idea is it never occurred to us until the, the very last minute. <laughs> and uh, so we, 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 we were thinking about it. This is Brad's baby. He, he came up with the- We're just scuffling this week. Like, what do we talk about? Oh, we've done too many music shows in a row. Like, we need a movie show. Uh, I don't want to watch uh, a movie. <laughs> I don't want to enjoy anything entertaining. <laughs> and then yesterday, I was talking with one of my coworkers about what we we're doing this weekend. And I said, you know, I'm really happy I don't have to do this whole Easter egg scavenger hunt that we used to have to do for the kids. Because, you know, they're grown. And uh, it just occurred to me. Easter eggs. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember what Easter was like in in the 80s for you? Do you remember what you you did growing up? I I mean, you know, my dad was a choir director and my mom was a church organist. So Easter involved getting up, putting on your good clothes and going to church and seeing the people who only came a couple of times a year. Yeah. This and Christmas, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, it was was in in many ways another Sunday, but in many other ways, a Sunday full of, uh, you know, like jelly beans, which wasn't my favorite, but you know, you know how kids are any port in a storm. If you're giving me sugar, I'm eating it. Yeah. I I got, I got to admit, I have a similar feeling about jelly beans. It's just, they were never my thing. I like the, 
I like the chocolate bunny, but I also remember the betrayal upon learning that the oftentimes the chocolate bunny is hollow. Yeah, it's like it a looks weird like metaphor. a lot more than it is. <laughs> <laughs> Setting you up for a lifetime of suspicion when it comes to gifts being presented to you. But, yeah, yeah. The, I mean, jelly beans are like the candy corn of Easter. Let's face it. I know there was a period of time where we dyed Easter eggs, you know, mm-hmm. and, and oh, yeah. we're actually gonna we're gonna do that later today here, uh, but. Um, I think the mom and pop spears were more fond of the plastic kind, you know, that, that uh, you crack in half and you put some candy in it. Sure, sure. Or maybe like, you know, 30 cents and change. Be like, oh my God, I'm rich. <laughs> yeah, it, se- it seemed like there was sometimes money involved. But I have this one traumatic memory of Uh-oh. Easter. And I, it was either very late se- 70s or, or the very beginning of the 80s. But we used to have a pop-up camper. Do, do, you know what a pop-up camper is, right? Like the trailer that that's like a looks like a sandwich and then it pops up into a into like Yes. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's a tote, the little tow trailer. Yeah. So exactly so what we talking about. Yeah, so at one point uh when we were growing up me and my sister the folks decided that you know we needed more wholesome family activities and so they got a pop-up camper and we I would can see take how it. you would benefit from such activities Stephen Q Spears. <laughs> we would go to these campgrounds, usually KOA campgrounds. Okay, sure. And of course the thing had no air conditioning. No. And come in, on, it's in, like a it's just like a webbing tent yeah. on a on a rolling trailer bed. It's a it's it's, it's a it's a it's a it's a sweat box in other it's words. It's a way to sleep off the ground when you're camping and yes. increase your fuel mileage while you're at. So one Easter we were at a KOA campground and we never went very far from home. I think it was even in, we were actually I think in the same county. We were just like one town up was a sure. campground and we're like okay, so we were there for Easter and then the night before there's all these flyers that they give out saying, "Hey, you know, tomorrow morning there's an Easter egg hunt." For, for all the kids who are nice. staying here for Easter. And so we're like, oh, this is great. So, so Easter morning comes. My sister and I, my sister's four years younger than my, me. I'm thinking I'm probably 10 or 11 maybe at this point, uh, maybe maybe a little older. The first thing you do in camping is you escort your sister to the to the restroom, outhouse slash shower facility. So Sure, sure. So we walk to go to the bathroom in the morning. It's just us. And we see all these little eggs everywhere. Mm. Not all that hidden, but you sure. Know. Yeah, like in a field of eggs. Yeah. And so we thought, oh my God, it's already started. So we ran around and we collected. Oh, no. <laughs> we collected all the eggs that we could find. <laughs> and we come back to the, the pop up trailer and my parents are just. Mom and dad are, are not happy. They're. <laughs> that 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 sort of angry you embarrassment. Yeah. You're, like, you're you're supposed to meet at a certain time, and it's an organized event. It's not just go find them. And well, what do we do? So oh, I see the ending here. Somebody somebody needed to teach you a valuable lesson, and so you had to go give them all back. That's my prediction. No, close. They said go go back and put them where you found them. So we. We set out. You know, keep in mind, you know, it's, it's daylight now. People can probably see us. I don't remember us being We were being, discovered. like, stealthy about it. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. But we had collected, like, 30 eggs, you know. And so we ran around, and we just tried to remember. Like, wasn't there one over here? Yeah, sure. Well, wasn't there? You know, we did our best. To sure. Them back where they were supposed okay. to be. Okay, okay. And, th- and then we went to the official event, you know, beginning, you know, at the clubhouse or whatever. And they, they sent all the kids out. And, of course, we knew where all the eggs were at this point because we had... <laughs> <laughs> I 
already had a dry run on this thing. This so we, we I, I told my sister, I said, you know, just we're going to pick some eggs. But just fly casual. I, yeah, but we're not going to pick them all, obviously, because we know where they're at. But it's So we, we pick them up. And, you know, and everyone brings them back. And, and the, the, camp, the camp counselors or whoever was in charge were, were just, well, I didn't. They were stumped because where they had placed the eggs the night before is not where they were anymore. And they're like, didn't you put, didn't you put? <laughs> oh my God, this is amazing. And they're like, didn't, and I can hear them talking. Like, didn't you put, didn't I give you six to put over there? Yeah, yeah. Well, how many did they kids find? They only found three. Oh no, but the, the total amount still matched. They just weren't where they remembered them being. And so, you know... <laughs> Oh, this is amazing. It, it, oh, um, Steve, this is fantastic. The um, I, I've actually talked to therapists about this. <laughs> I mean, I, I was so traumatized by the mistake that I had made mm. and, and carried out. And, and then well, now not, I feel like a jerk for laughing so much. No, no, no. It's funny. No, it is, it is funny. I wouldn't tell the story if I, if I was really that traumatized anymore. But it's one of those dumb things you do as a kid and you're like, Thank God my parents didn't make us just take them all to the clubhouse and say, hey, we picked them all up by mistake. Here they are. That would have been – I think that would have been even <laughs> that more. Been worse. Yeah, that yeah. would have been worse. And, and not as good a story. Not as good a story. Yeah. So they, uh, bottom line, they, everyone found the eggs. They just weren't where they thought they were. And, <laughs> and I don't th- think that my – Gators must have moved them. <laughs> I don't think we did those anymore after that. I think that might have been the last camping trip too. So, and that's I, funny. I, I, I don't miss it. To me, camping these days is a three-star hotel. That's, okay, that's roughing it. <laughs> like what? Only only four hundred thread count sheets? Yeah. Nope. No ice machine on my floor. Oh this is my really... gosh, that's just bad. Yeah, plastic but, uh, cup for my drink in my room. Ugh. Yeah. Why would I do that? Anyhow, I'm going to try not to break into a cold sweat as we go through this week's Easter eggs. But I first, I got to talk about Train in Vain. I, I'm going to make the case, like you did, that it's an Easter egg. Most fans probably know that the, the, it was the the last single added to the album "London Calling." It's not listed on the on the track listing for many of the albums uh, because the idea was they recorded it. It was supposed to be like a giveaway, floppy record for Enemy uh, Magazine. Oh but yeah, somehow no, that, I, didn't, I don't think I knew that. That's cool. It it didn't happen. And so they're like, oh, shit, we better add it to the record. So they added it to the record. The artwork had already gone to the printer, so it was too late to add it to the to the listing. And so, ta-da, you have a bonus song or an Easter egg on London Calling. Yeah, and that's, that happens. I mean, there are, there are examples of that through music recording, but that's probably the best example of, I guess this is 79, wasn't it? So it's not really, <laughs> we're going to grandfather it in for this week because it suits us, but there aren't really any great other as high profile examples from the eighties that I was able to find. Like the one that kind of popped to mind to me was how, uh, at the tail end of the U2, like greatest hits, 1980, 1990, there's a like two minutes of silence. And then they have October stuck at the end of the last track. Oh, I don't think I knew that. Yeah. But I mean, that's a song that we know and we knew and had heard before. It's, Oddly enough, the only other one I can think of is not a true one. I think it's just a glitch. I, I had the vinyl of Ario Speedwagon's High Infidelity. Okay. And on Don't Let Him Go, there's a part right towards the beginning of the song on the vinyl version I had where it sounds like my mom is yelling at me from the other room going, Steve? 
And every time I would play that, that would come across. I'd turn the record off. I'd go out into the kitchen. What? What do you mean, what? You called me. I didn't call you. And go back. And, and turn that music on. down. Steve, what? You called me. You didn't, I didn't call you. Now, when I listen to the, I have it today on uh, CD. Mm-hmm. Or and when I hear it on on Sirius XM, I don't I don't hear it. It, it was just some sort some of glitch or some in the track, or some cross wire in my brain at that period of my life. That's funny. It's, it's a hidden Easter egg only to Spearsy. Ah, it's a Spearsy egg. <laughs> but movies, on the other hand, chock full of them in the eighties. Yeah, and you have a couple directors who really like to do it. Of course, the first one that I thought of when I was thinking of Easter eggs in movies is. And I know this is a visual topic, so bear with me. But there's a scene in Tron in Computer Town when uh, Sark is looking at his big board of, of displays. And, and what should you spy uh, just to the right of his gaze is a Pac-Man. Get them. Send out every game tank in the grid. Get them! Chomping the, away. In the grid, chomping yeah. dots. Does Pac-Man chomp dots? The answer is yes. That's an odd inclusion. Yeah, it's not like um, you know Disney. Disney usually is pretty tight with their tie-ins and would tie into their own properties, but certainly wouldn't tie into a Namco property. Generally speaking, yeah, that's, but it that's was a I different think. time. Disney hadn't really become the Disney we know from the '90s, where they really started to power up the. They went from being kind of a sleepy studio to being this marketing just juggernaut. At the yeah. End of today. No, I get you. I, I would say George Lucas. Uh, and Steven Spielberg are probably the kings of the Easter eggs. Yeah, they did love them. I, I'm thinking of, and I, again, we're gonna we're gonna grandfather in Star Wars here, as we should. People who know George Lucas know that he directed one of his earlier projects was THX 1138. Right. Have you ever seen that? I have. It's it's really hard to watch. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's. I wouldn't call it entertaining. And to be honest, that's kind of what I ask for these days from my movies. Yeah, it, I mean, I, I I know it's like his first project, and it just it does feel, and I don't mean this to sound as dismissive as it's going to. It feels very student filmy. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going there, but that's fair. I think most people know in Star Wars, Han Solo is attempting to fool people by you know it's a prisoner transfer from cell block eleven thirty eight one one three eight, and I think it's also the name of the stormtrooper that. Uh, Luke gets his stormtrooper outfit from. Yeah, that that might have been retconned in later with uh, some of the the novelizations and things. There's, you know, mm. but it, one and three eight shows up, you know, all over the place in the Star Wars universe. You can, you know, those of you who are listening who know the deep lore will be writing us, I'm sure. Uh, but there's there's a lot of places where he puts that in. Yeah, you found one in Raiders of the Lost Ark that I didn't know about. Yeah, this is interesting, and it's. It's one of those things where you really have to watch for it. This is uh, this is one of those things that I, I don't know who saw it first, but it almost feels like it had to be a freeze frame moment because I don't think you can catch it live unless you know it's there. In the scene where in the lot in the Well of Souls, when they're taking the cover off of the you know the big stone cover when Indy and Sala are you know somehow have the strength of many men are able to lift this giant stone cover off of it. Uh, on one of the columns, the hieroglyphics, there's a r2d2 and c3po <laughs> figures <laughs> on the on the column and katie and i full disclosure katie and i watched this movie last night after seeing the trailer for the new indiana jones movie uh, which we can talk about later if we want 
But uh, I was watching for it. I know it's there. It's very hard to spot unless you stop the picture. Yeah. If you if you go on the on the web, you'll you'll. I mean, people have snapped photos of it. Yeah, yeah. Screenshots. And you know, blue in the Blu-ray era or the even the 4K Blu-ray era, it's very easy to spot with a a freeze frame. But I I can't imagine very many people saw it in the theater. No, no. I think uh, John Hughes had his share of them. He liked to tinker with the license plates. Yeah, a lot of those in Ferris Bueller. I think I read one somewhere that in 16 Candles, all the license plates add up to 16. That seems about right. I know they do for, uh, what should we call him, uh, girlfriend selling, supposedly great boyfriend Jake Ryan's car uh, <laughs> tags add up to 16. Yeah, and I think the grandparents' car as well. So Okay. Also in The Breakfast Club, and I feel like this one's pretty well known, but uh, if you haven't seen this, watch the opening credits for The Breakfast Club, and you'll notice that the man of the year was Carl in 1969, who, yes, is Carl the janitor later. Yeah. I think the one, and I, I don't know if this is so much a, a Easter egg as it is an homage, Coming to America, which I still think is Eddie Murphy's funniest movie of the 80s. There's that scene where Prince Akeem gives a, a pair of bums on the street a big, you know, clip of cash. Yeah. And then the music suddenly switches to the score from Trading Places, and you discover that it's the Duke Brothers. Randolph! Leave me alone, Mortimer! Randolph! Randolph! I'm still not talking to you. Look! Mortimer, we're back. I love that scene. That's just, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. At the time, I remember thinking that was just the the funniest thing on earth. Yeah. I feel like that kind of self-referential or or inside joke stuff has become more common. You know, the other thing, it's not really an Easter egg, but George Lucas loves to use the Wilhelm scream. I don't think I know that. It's in every Star Wars movie. It's in every Raiders movie. Here, let me me just play it. (laughs) Okay. You know that sound effect. It's that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's Sheb Woolley. It's supposed to be Sheb Woolley who actually recorded that sound. And the reason it's called the Wilhelm Scream is because the character that it was recorded for originally in some Western was named Wilhelm. Isn't there a thing? John Landis has an ongoing gag or Easter egg that all of most of his movies somewhere in there feature the the phrase. See you next Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. It's a like a movie poster in Trading Places. It's in. Uh, it's it's playing at a theater in nineteen forty one. I think the other movie one that I just I saw when we were doing some research for this yesterday that made me laugh that I hadn't been aware of is and I don't know if you remember the Twilight Zone movie. Yeah, sure. Which obviously had some tragedies attached to it. But I do remember that pretty well. But I don't remember the line where in the Vietnam flashback when the squad says, <laughs> maybe we shouldn't have killed Lieutenant Niedermeyer. Yeah, I do remember. That, I just missed the first 70 times I saw I, that movie. When I, when I went to Europe between my junior and senior year of high school, there was a college program where they sent you to Europe for a month and you got nine hours of college credit in humanities. Woo-hoo. As part of it, you had to do a lot of papers and stuff. It wasn't it wasn't a, like a free ride or anything, but it was getting like three classes over within a month. Yeah, or 
or two months because you had classes bleeding into it. But I remember Twilight Zone had just come out not too long ago. And we were on the plane getting ready to take off. And I remember the chaperone, who is our science teacher, Mr. Straub, comes walking through to check on all of us. And <laughs> as one does, my friend Dave and I go, you know, there's, we, we, we gave him the Dave real seriously sells him the line. You know, there's, there's a man on the wing from. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. And Mr. Straub had not heard or not seen uh, Twilight Zone and certainly didn't get the reference and kind of had a, <laughs> a bit of a. A look on his face of 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 terror, and then remembering that he's the chaperone and has to keep it together. And yeah, uh, we we had to eventually tell him we were just quoting a, a movie. And I think uh, you want to see something really scary. <laughs> yeah, I just remember <laughs> definitely one of those movies that I used to love to quote all the time. And yeah, that and uh, it's funny because in my mind that and Creepshow are merged into one like mega oh sketch oh, horror flick. Yeah. Because I mean, with Creepshow, it's I can hold my breath a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. And isn't that the one with the roaches, or is that Twilight Zone? No, I don't, no, I don't know. But please don't. It's okay. it's been a very dry spring in Florida, and when it's dry outside, the bugs want to come inside. And oh, interesting, interesting. It's like watching an episode of Starship Troopers around here right now, <laughs> trying to Set trying up your to skirmish g- lines. <laughs> We have that bug guy coming on Tuesday to take care of it once and for all, but it just ants. I mean, it's just, it just hasn't rained here in 25 days. So, oh, well, I should send you some. We've got plenty. Yeah, please, that would be nice. Stop having to fill the pool. I will say, Steve, I think that we have buried the lead a little bit here because I think that the event that gave us this term Easter egg in a lot of ways was attached to a video game that was released for Christmas 1979. Do you know the game of which I speak? Yes, ad- Adventure. Yeah, Atari yeah. Adventure. It's, uh, I, you had it, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, so good. It was, uh, okay. Stup- it's stupid in retrospect. It was good for its, it was great for its time. Like, I remember playing this game over and over and over and over again. Like, yeah. for reasons I can't adequately explain, maybe this, explains why I watch, for instance, Raiders of the Lost Ark over and over and over again. So the guy who wrote this had seen a, like an adventure-like game on a computer platform. And he's like, I'm going to write something like this for the 2600. And he started trying to figure out how he could port this code over, basically, and realized, well, hang on a second. The computer, while still a you know late 70s computer, not with the kind of memory we, were, we have access to today in computers... They have a lot more space to do stuff in and store things, and you know, you could read things from storage to load in new areas. A twenty six hundred cartridge has four kilobytes of ROM, like nothing, nothing. There's no storage, so he just ha- kept having to strip it further and further and further down. Which is why, yes, your character is a square dot that runs around. <laughs> the sword is an arrow. <laughs> the dragons look like ducks. Like it just that's all that he could do with this the you know, not only the, the memory space, but also the consider that we're talking about a two hundred line, two hundred and fifty line display that was your NTSC television. Right. So it was uh very much constrained from what his original vision was. The other thing you probably do know is that Atari did not credit 
the people who wrote the games on the games themselves because A, they didn't want to give them leverage, negotiating leverage for contracts, and B, they didn't want other companies to know, oh, that guy wrote those games. I'm going to go after him and offer him a bunch of money. So the guy who wrote this this game, Warren Robinette, said, hmm, well, you know, I'm just going to put this in here and see if anybody, see if anyone finds it. So he inserted a tiny dot that was hidden in a certain part of one of the rooms that you had to just randomly find this dot and you wouldn't really know what to do with it. Uh, and if you took that dot to another part of the game and did a couple of the things, you would get access to a new room that otherwise hadn't been there before and you'd see the words created by Warren Robinette. Yeah, I remember. Kind of amazing. The code for that took up 5% of the cartridge's storage space, but that's literally 200 bytes of memory. So that's pretty tight code. You know, Congratulations yeah. to you, Warren Robinette. I, I don't think I could do anything in 200 bytes of memory anymore. Do you remember how you found it? I don't, and I was trying to figure this out too, because I know my friends and I did eventually discover this, but we didn't discover it on our own. Right. Somehow we read about it someplace, or one of our friends read about yes. it. But yes. like this is it's an interesting study in how information spread before it was on Instagram or Twitter right. or whatever, right? That's exactly the same story with me. I I I did find it eventually, but only because somebody either showed me how or told me yeah. where to go. I apologize, gentle listener. I did not have time this morning to get the Atari cartridge that I was talking about for my Switch that has Adventure on it. I did not have a chance this morning to play it and try and find the, <laughs> uh, the Easter egg. But I'm going to do that. I will do that today. I'll, I'll, I'll grab a screenshot. But the thing that I found in the research, and this just amazes me, is there's a letter from a kid that showed up at Atari in August of 1980. So not quite a year after it was released. This kid is you know, writing to ask about their computer equipment. But he also says, hey, P.S., I also have your TV games. And I found this dot, and I did this thing, and now it says this name. And this is, I just thought to tell you because I want to. Could you please comment on this? Thanks. So somebody found it and figured out, you know, what they needed to do to get it to show up, which is like you have to move the dot into this place and it's, bring it's things insane, in there. Which, yeah. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's yeah. not like. It's not intuitive. It's no. So uh, it's it's kind of impressive that someone found it on their own. Robinette didn't want to say anything about it because he didn't want to get in trouble. By the time it was discovered, he was gone. So when they talked about replacing it and reburning the the proms for it, the guy who they had assigned to fix it said, "If I had to do it, I was just going to make it say fixed by my name instead of written by <laughs> Warren Robinette." So they just decided to leave it. It was also going to cost them you know, like $40,000, which I know doesn't sound like a lot, but you know, this is 1980. Money yeah. was different. It was going to cost them a fair bit of money. And the marketing guys were like, no, this is genius. We'll make everyone think there's stuff for them to find in our games and they'll play them more. I'm like, well, okay, there's some truth to that. Uh, so I, I think that's the, that is the great granddaddy of video game Easter eggs. Yeah, I agree. But you know what comes next? The granddaddy of podcasting events. The Rose Bowl? The uh, Seggies. Hey, it's time for Stuck in the Arcade. We'll play a snippet of a arcade game from the 80s. It will not be Adventure. Don't, don't think that we would be that obvious this week. I say that knowing full Bloop. well we haven't picked it yet. <laughs> 
Uh, if you get it, it right, you don't have a score though. It doesn't <laughs> have any music. Right. The bat comes and takes something. Uh, we'll play it. You get it right. You're entered into the drawing for the postal friendly bottle opener from episode 655, which seems like a year ago. Here was the special clip. Yep, that's obviously Miss Pac-Man. That's the, the they meet intermission scene. Yeah, I will say I am so proud of our listeners because very, very high ratio of people not only said it's Miss Pac-Man, but this is the part of the game it's from. Like, yeah. You know what? Respect. Yeah, Respect, for sure. Listeners. Read some winners. Winners this week include Todd in Minnesota, Jeremy who shot J.R. Rodwan, Mike Stewart, Gene and Hollister, Alan Titus, Cliff from somewhere north of Detroit, Alejandro Sticks Cardoso Solis from Tijuana, Mexico, Brian in San Francisco, East Coast Alex, Chris Deepcut Sampson, John Ross from Charlotte, North Carolina, Beach Fit Rob, Ann McNally, Mayor Chuck Coverly, Gerald from Boston, Fetch in Evansville, Jim in Pasadena, and Harry Palm. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you gotta play the classics sometimes. Keep it classy, America. <laughs> uh, let's spin the wheel, find out who gets the postal friendly bottle opener. Okay, no time like the present. Ah, very well done. Looks like it's gonna land on Anne McNally. Great. Uh, you are the week's winner. Email us your postal address. Postal address? Why am I? Why am I yeah, making? Send us your postal address, and we'll send address. a postal friendly address friendly <laughs> opener device to that address. Also, Anne, I feel like I need to give you a nickname, Anne Maps McNally, because when I read um, Anne McNally, I read I think Rand McNally. Yes, and that makes me think of Maps. So sorry, Anne, your new nickname is Maps. If that's not original, please write, and I will come up with something. Yeah, if it's something that else. you were teased about on the playground, like with me, it was always. Oh, yeah. uh, I don't want to be that guy. Broccoli spears or asparagus uh, spears. I, asparagus, yeah, I'd go with asparagus. By the time it was college, it was shake spears, so that was nice. Mm. Anyway, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery arcade sound. Oh. If you know it, email us at podcast at sats.com. Ooh, that's good. And tune in a few weeks. Tune in in a few weeks. Find out if you're a winner, okay? We'll be right back after this commercial break. You're looking at a very unusual kind of egg from Cadbury that's only around till Easter. Its shell is pure, rich Cadbury milk chocolate. Look, inside sits a sweet, creamy yellow yolk surrounded by delicious white filling. Cream eggs from Cadbury. Why, they're the best thing to come along since the Easter Bunny. And when he's gone, they're gone. And we're back. Got a few minutes left. As most people know by now, because we we tell you almost every show, this podcast is supported by our listeners through the Patreon program. And when you join, you get a chance to hang out. At Zoom happy hours with us or do the virtual drive-in theater, which we just did last weekend. We watched uh, Rock and Roll High School. We did. It was fun. It was fun. The site to go to is patreon.com slash stuckin80spodcast. You can join for as little, I think as little as $2 a month. Or you, there's yep. like a year plan as well. So it's And you get access to our blog, which we we update more and more often now. I think I wrote on it probably about seven times. I think I wrote three blog items one day last week. 
sure like kind of some th- kind of you know rock star writing machine. <laughs> in, in the old days of the blog, I used to write. I used to write in it seven days a week and up to seven items a day. Holy crap. But that was part of my job. Well, yeah. Anyway, we got some new patrons over the last week. So we want to say thanks to Richie Osterberg and Edward Veith. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. <laughs> I'm not, it's not funny that I am. I'm just saying that I'm Pronunciation incompetent. aside, we do thank you. Yes. Yes. We appreciate your support. If you have some Easter eggs that you uh, love from the 80s and we didn't mention them, email us. We will recount them in a future show. In the meantime, we hope you have a great holiday weekend. Brad and I will be right here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.